for like 20 minutes. Yeah. What's <laughs> happening, Derek? Good to see it's you. It's now it's all good. Have I a seat. So well. well. so Are you kidding? You guys surfed already? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate you. So warm the water. I hate you guys. So I drove down from San Francisco yesterday. Oh, did you really? Yeah. And uh, was hanging for a surf. Well, we're live. Oh, good. We're live. Perfect. I'm the only one who gets to listen to us. Oh, He's that, on, that's okay. Um, where'd you guys surf? Was we, it Seaside? George's. George's. Yeah. Little little. Beach break. It was like one foot, but the funnest one foot that I've had in my entire life. Really? I mean, it was just the water temperature down there now is so toasty warm, but it's okay. not overly warm. Okay. So you like both cool off, but also so yeah. you can trunk it in the morning. Completely. Stuff. Really? You kidding? What'd you ride? Um, I brought a little five six bottom feeder. Oh, okay. Which is kind of perfect for it. Although I have been running a Cabianca, a Gabriel board. The, you're the only person I know other than Gabriel who's ridden one. <laughs> like it's bizarre, like how much success he's had on those boards and how few people I see riding. Well, it's so hard to get. You can't, you don't see him in shops or. Do you think they're in Europe? Like where, yeah, where are they? They're in. Um, I mean, I know Pukas is. Yeah. So, but, but, he's, but he's not with Pukas anymore. So it's Cabianca surfboards with the bar, based in the Basque country. Yeah. And they're legends. It's him and his wife and it's such a mar and park kind of operation and we've got a couple of boards to test. Right. 601 or 511. And I got the 511. That's so good. Really? High performance board. That's really easy to ride. It's like the holy grail. Is it as beefy as Gabriel's no, boards? No. And, and I don't think Gabriel's boards are that beefy. And it's just been, it's just been talked up. They're a little slightly wider-ish. It's not the outline. It's got the slightly forward outline, but not like a hip or something. It's, um, it's not the rail line's a little bit straighter, a little bit forward. It's not even a forward wide point. It's just the outline is a bit straighter. That's what I reckon it is. Hmm. And it's so, so user-friendly, but ultra loose. Hmm. So you can ride them in you know, one foot waves and have a hell time. What, again, the visuals are always difficult to really like wrap your brain around. Number one, online. But then number two, like based on the artwork on the boards or the tail place, the tail pad placement, yeah. you know, you have to really kind of see it in person and feel it. But to me, his boards always look like Thick in the tail and wide in the tail. That's what I thought, but um, these are supposedly okay. Gabriel's dimensions and the pulled in little squash, a little bit of an edge through the tail, not particularly thick. Okay. You know, a little under, I think, um, I think Gabriel's riding maybe 29 litres and what I'm riding is 27 and a half. Okay. And it's definitely not beefy. It was nothing like what I expected. I was hoping for a boat. Yeah. But didn't get a boat. I'm glad. All right. What are you what are you writing these days, David Lee? Dude, I haven't been surfing in weeks. Look at me. I've surfed. Guess how many times I've surfed in a row? What do you mean in a row? Like days <laughs> in a row? Days in a row. Three. Six. No way. Boom. Is that I'm, a record? I'm back. No, it's not an all time record, but it's it's for sure. I'm completely back now. I'm back. How does it feel? So good. Really? It took me the first like three times. It's funny. I realized that starting surfing again is like stopping drinking. So I'm also on a, I decided uh, September, I'm going to go dry. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try it out. So day one, that's okay. I'm like doing a new thing. Day two, I was crawling out of my skin by 11 o'clock. I was 11 AM. I was, which is usually when I pour my first cocktail, just itching, just like, I, I can't do this. I'm going to go get a drink right now. Um, push through. Day three, fine. Today's day four. Feel like, okay, no problem. I'm going to make it today. When I started surfing again, I felt the same weirdness of day one. Okay, it's kind of novelty. Day two, I was in the water just like itching to get out because I was thinking, this is, there's too many people out here. I'm not going to be able to catch a wave. I'm going to surf it awkwardly when I do. 
it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. And it wasn't right. That those first surf back surfs back are not enjoyable, but I kept on day three. Ooh, this is fun. Day four. Great. Today, day six, just popping up, cruising down the line. All fun. Crazy, dude. Yep. Um, I'm more shocked about you not drinking alcohol than I am about you surfing. Yeah. It's a shocker. It's a shocker. Thank you, Glenn, for the drinks. We're at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, first of all, so that they LaCroix. deserve it. Uh, this is like Post Malone shit. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love them, LaCroix. Can you grab a photo of us, too, if you don't mind? Without the use of the photo? Without the single-use plastics in the photo. I love I love America's love of plastic. Everything, every, everywhere you go, everything's everywhere. in plastic. Yeah. And, you, and you eat your sandwich for about two seconds, and everyone just throws their plastic away. Yep. Oh, we'll ban the straw. Right, exactly. <laughs> we'll give the straw, huh? By the way, Derek, what's your impression of the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center? Have uh, you been before? Well, I was, I was impressed that the ukulele in the, um, in the foyer was uh, in tune. It's so rare to pick up a ukulele. It was totally in tune, beautifully in tune. Yeah, it, 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 it literally is one of the things that, that I have a problem with as well. As a little bit of a player, it's like, okay, that just sucks when they're yeah. having go, yeah. oh, God. And you spend 10 no minutes idea. tuning the dang thing. I didn't hear the uke when... You walked in. I really didn't hear yeah. me play. Um, you've got a friend in me. Maybe Randy you should Newman. play us out from today's show. I sh- yeah, oh, I should, definitely. Yeah. Do you want to grab that for us? Give me a phone. Oh yeah, yeah. Flip your- my phone you. sucks, or I would give you my phone. Um, wipe off the lens, maybe too. I don't know if it's messed up. Um, <laughs> so, so, why haven't you surfed in six weeks? I've been well, not six weeks, but I've been I've been sick. So um, I've had a cold for like two or three weeks. It's been yeah. wild. If you got cancer, you don't surf, but if you got a cold, you surf. You think so? Yeah. I think the co- I think cold. I got the cold from <laughs> surfing, actually. The, surfing filthy water. The problem or the thing is, I think when you have a cold when it's uh winter, that's when you really surf through. Because again, it's part of the making your body so toxic yeah. that you can freeze a cold out of your body. Right. So you're right. I should get back in there this weekend. The problem is the water's my too spirit, warm. My spirits are down and then the waves are crappy. So I, even if I go to the beach, it's like, I don't really want to surf. I'm almost hoping that it's windy or crappy or something. And then it is, and it validates my experience. And I just go home. Do you swim or anything? No. Because the ocean's great when you go to college, you can hack and spit and hold nostrils and all that that shit out. Yeah, I should be. I'm going to go this weekend. Yeah. I'm going to go. So the honest, to be honest, I surfed two weeks ago on Saturday. So it's been two weeks. Is how long it's been. Wow. But that's a long stretch. We flipped. You and I. We really have, dude. We're in. So- I will tell you, I've taken about a month off from drinking once a year for the last couple of years. Yeah. It is the best month of the year for sure. Yeah. And at the end of the month, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this three times throughout the year. Yeah. And then I never do. Thanks, Glenn. Oh. Um, that's, the, that's the plan for me is three, okay. is three months off a year. Really? You got, you got yeah. the pample moose. I got the pample I'll, tra- I'll trade you the pample moose. Do you have to live for the pample moose? I mean, we can. Do you like the pample moose? I like pample moose. Yeah. Love Go 50 50 split. Yeah. It's nice. All right. Thanks. Um, so anyways, Surfing Heritage Culture Center, well, this is your room, dude. This room has every, almost every bit of surf media uh, it's from ever, the last It's ever been years. published, except for Stab. Except for Stab. They don't have Stabs in here. No. I've, got, I've got the collection somewhere. Oh, you should bring it. You should, don't donate. Don't donate. Yeah, I'll happily donate. You that should postage. check it. Uh, before you leave, too, wild selection of surfboards. Oh, I really? think there's like seven surfboards from Duke Kanemoku that exist like in the world, and four of them are here. Wow. And two of them were placed in museums from here. And they've got everything from like that to Kelly Slater's boards, Andy Irons, like all sorts of oh, stuff. Okay. Big wave guns. They have the, uh, the Andy Irons Metallica board shop, which Chase just got online. I do. Did you really? I have the original. No the way. white 
Metallica, like big, thick Metallica soda into the butt. Found it on like eBay or something? On eBay. Okay. I got it like a year ago. I was just like, I don't know what I was cruising eBay for. I think I was actually cruising. It must've been two years ago. I think I was cruising eBay for, it was after I interviewed Michael Thompson for cocaine and surfing uh, and thought, oh, he was, he was just talking up the innovation at gotcha those early years so much that I thought, oh, I wonder what like early gotcha is on eBay. So I went on a gotcha dive and there's not too much, but the couple, I bought a couple of gotcha pieces. Those gotcha pieces were pretty epic back in the day. I mean, they were pretty fashion forward and fun. But then I saw the Andy Irons Metallica white. Remember the white ones? Yeah. Well below the knee. Yeah. Epic. The rising sun on it? No, it's because uh, it's the, just the big Metallica oh, on the butt. Okay. It says Metallica on the butt. And yeah. then I think there's like some kind of crazy fire piping or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what you paid? Uh, it was, it wasn't expensive. It was like okay. 20 bucks at the most. Right, right, right. Yeah. It wasn't like a vintage epic price. <laughs> well, <clears throat> we got lots of stuff to discuss boys. Did, did you introduce who's, who's here? No, man. Really falling down on the job. Why don't you do the introduction, Chaz? <laughs> today, today in the booth, we have one, the one, the only Derek Riley famous for a long time and for a lot of reasons. Most recently, the most famous author in Australia for writing about historical, notable Australian personalities. Mm. Yep. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thanks, David. Also, also founder of beachgrit.com. Awesome. Yep. Uh, what's his relationship to you, Chaz? Oh, man. Why did you guys drive here together today and surf in the morning without inviting me? Uh, would you, I mean, would you have come down to Cardiff? No, definitely not. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> I don't would. surf anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Derek, I think... I don't even know how long ago it was. Um, my young daughter was asking Derek how long we knew each other today. Must be 10. Well over more 10. More than 10 years, yeah. I've, I've, 14 years. I've been married now for 10. Really? Or, or nine. So sure. That was a good wedding. Yeah, it was a good wedding. wedding. So, mm. But it was at least five or six years before that. Mm. So it's got to be. So it would have been when we first started Stab, so about 2005. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Because yeah. I saw your stuff in, in Vice. Mm-hmm. And I contacted you, I think. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't understand me for the first five years of our relationship. Or more. And then when I was making Stab, Chaz used to write pretty much probably 60% of it. Okay. So um, we said, what was the name of the, um, we used to have this sort of newsprint section in it. It was just all political. So I was talking about oh, Israel about and that. stuff. Yeah, well, it was called the Daily something. Or yeah. Monthly. I can't remember what it was, but it was really oblique stuff. Nothing Complete. to do with surfing though. No, nothing to do with surfing. It's had a big political. Yeah. Thing in it. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we worked together for um, the whole time that, from starting stab until I left in 2014. And then, um, and obviously when I was doing bitch grit, started thinking, you know, thinking of what my next thing was going to be after stab, um, had to be with Chaz. And then, um, so I contacted Chaz and said, you know, can we use your whole body of work in the back end? So when we launched, oh. we had a hundred stories. Gotcha. And then, uh, and then we went to Chaz's place and, uh, and we, uh, and we launched it together. Press go pressed live. Yeah, it was so funny. We were just sitting on his kitchen table. We go, should we press it now? Yeah. Okay. I've got a question for you then, Derek. Um, Chaz gets a lot of heat, and he certainly did back in the stab days. I mean, the most famous story is the McFanning story, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he still gets a lot of heat now, and people give him a hard time. And I I get emails from listeners. I mean, I should actually read one. Oh, yeah. You, you, you want one? one? Yes, please. I do, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> this guy is, might not be happy with me reading this, but... Um, All right. Hey, David. Um, Greetings from, I won't say where he's from. I'm a huge fan of your work, but sadly have to sign off due to your association with the misanthrope on The Grit. We'll be happy to sign up again if you decide to move. Kind regards. And then he corrected it with move on. Um, 
So, I mean, I know you've gotten that feedback too over the years. Yeah. Why, why have you defended Chaz all along? What's Chaz's value and does he misstep ever? And do you ever regret that decision? I, th- I think anyone who um, likes to have fun, if some if someone isn't acting from a malicious place, I think it's very difficult to misstep because I think people like Chaz and, and, and myself see see the the game of surfing as a as like a chess game and everyone's pieces in it. So when someone gets upset, you just you're just a character in a game. Or when someone rips into me or something, it doesn't feel like they're ripping into me personally. It's just just a character in a game. And the whole online thing is just a big game. So people who you know weep and whatever over um, tweets, it's just absurd. But people do. I mean, I feel like at some point online has actually become reality for a lot of people. And certainly people are making their living offline and all that sort of stuff. So at some point in the la- in the time that you guys have known one another, people do take it very seriously. They do. More seriously than they take real life. So even if that is your perspective, the people who might be receiving the barbs are the ones who are like, this is as real as... Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I just I just think that we're so soft now. Yeah. When, when the war with China comes, you'll have to fucking toughen up pretty, pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'll be you have your, a bayonet fixed to be ready to fucking storm out of the trenches, you know, then you can worry about your tweets after, you know. Yeah, yeah, It'll yeah. be another great generation. So, uh-huh. well, America's even more soft, I think, than Australia. Uh, come, so. I haven't been in America for two years, and it's interesting, and it's rad to see the, um, the changes How's changes in America. Well, the demographic change is so so marked and start and the homeless because I was in San Francisco, yeah, and there's more homeless people in the streets than um, non homeless people. I mean, completely. And the uh, yeah, the changing demographic for for better or worse, you know, it's um, I, I, was, I was telling Chaz I was at breakfast with our um, movie maker Jack Boston, and there was a table of old people. I looked over and I uh, went, "There's a whole table of whites over there." It was so funny. I thought whites, you know, I never would have thought that, you know, yeah. before. And they look so odd and they look so out of place and yeah. and everything, you know, it was, um, it was really odd. Well, San Francisco is actually, I think, very representative of what's happening on the whole, which is no middle class. Yeah. Like it's the most expensive real estate in the U.S. and then more homeless than anywhere in the U.S., yeah. you know? So the people, all the like uh, tech industry, multi-millionaire 20-year-olds that are living there, have to walk over human feces when they leave their house, literally. And the people, I mean, and the people who are living on the streets used to live there for the last 30 years and they just got bumped out because they can't afford to pay $8,000 a month for a two bedroom. Yeah. You know, it was weird wild. to see the Ferraris cruising around the streets and people sitting there with their, with their carts smoking weed. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's really it's super bizarre. It's always been a weird place. It's beyond weird now. Yeah. And that folk that hangs over Ocean Beach. That was the weirdest thing. Have you ever surfed Ocean Beach? Yes. Do you like Ocean Beach? Love. Really? Yeah, I've never surfed it big, but I mean, I've surfed it fairly recently, a few months ago, when it was like four foot, super fun beach break peaks. What do you love? Do you you love it just because it's powerful beach break beach break peaks? Yeah, it's playful. Yeah, playful waves all up and down, so it's kind of spread out. How big would you paddle at Ocean Beach, dude? Like, I just don't think I could make the paddle out yeah. if it was eight feet or bigger. Probably. I don't. I it completely confuses and confounds me how people make that paddle. I've, it's pure luck. I've stood on the bluff there watching the ants try to crawl out there yeah. and just getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And then you'll see a couple guys out the back just, you know, catching bombs and whatever. And I'm thinking, how in the world did you make it through 18,000 duck guys? <laughs> like yeah. how did your arms survive that? Too. It's freezing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is not a warm beach. Yeah. 
Um, you guys want to get into today's show? Let's do now it. Now that our guest has been introduced, uh, we got an up. Uh, first of all, I owe Yago Dora an apology. There's a retraction from our last show. Did Yago call in? No, he didn't. But I got word from the channel in Tahiti. They're like, you're 100% spot on about William Cardoso being an absolute wuss. And same with Felipe, like verging on complete wuss. Yago, on the other hand, was charging. Like he didn't get waves in that heat due to other factors. He was waiting for a wave, never came, whatever. But during the free surfs and all that sort of was stuff, charging. Yago was charging. Yeah. So Yago is not afraid. Yago is just a bad competitor. Yago does poor heat management. In that heat, in that heat in particular, yeah. And I lumped him in because I was- I mean, I lumped him in, in my too. haste, I lumped him in. But William properly, and everybody in the contest site said the same thing. They're just like, dude, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. And it verges on unprofessional. Aside from being just like- not stepping up to the challenge. It's unprofessional. So Yago, sorry to Yago Dora. Sorry to Yago. But also Fishing. when you sit for 35 minutes in a heat without catching a wave, I don't know that you really get an apology. You looked, if you look like a wimp, you're not, you, I'm we not can, saying you are a wimp, but we, I'm saying he looked like a wimp. We could blame him for mismanagement, all sorts of other things, sure. but not for chickening out. Okay. It, it's surprisingly easy to miss, not get waves in the heat particularly somewhere with long interval swell, you know, it could be 10 minutes. There's not one wave. You I know, mean, there's four guys in the water. I get out. It could be totally. And you wait 15 minutes for that wave. And then you don't get that set. And you go, I'll wait for the next one. Suddenly 25 minutes are gone. Yeah. You know, it's so surprising how quick that can turn down. Yeah. And then you start to get a bit frozen up, even just sitting yeah. there in the water. And he did get one wave and it was like a five something, but. And he looked pretty good at it. Yeah. yeah. The one that, uh, I guess the one detail I didn't catch was the dueling format. The other heat in the water, Ricardo Christie had priority on like a bomb that came through and he chickened out and Yago was next in line. And so Yago thought Ricardo was going, so he didn't go. And then Ricardo backed off and that would have been the wave that Yago needed. Oof. So, so you're going anyway. to rip into Ricardo now? I should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, he deserves it for a lot of reasons, <laughs> <laughs> even at small wave venues. But I'll, I'll formulate that thought before I just deliver it <laughs> off the cuff. Um, so Derek, I'm going to let you guys step on this landmine. Uh, Chaz and I got a, text message last night from a mutual friend about Lakey Peterson posing nude in ESPN's body issue. Have you seen the photos? No, I haven't. You- it's on her Instagram. She just right. posted it yesterday. Um, and this is the body issue. Kelly Slater's done it in the past. It's the body issue with it. all the important parts removed though, isn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah. So it's, yeah. The, it's, it's so odd to call it the body issue because it's not the body issue because the important parts of the body. Yeah. Get, they're showing blocked. the 98% unimportant of the unimportant parts. Yeah, it's very odd. It's, it's so, um, strives to be, uh, edgy, but it's, uh, it's so not. So um, what should the they amount do? of the amount, so what should they do? Just show bodies as they are, you know, pussies and titties and dicks and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny cause it's so taboo. So, no, do you, I, I hear what you're saying. So as a publisher, <laughs> Can you? I mean, do you have to classify your magazine differently? You could just publish that. Well, you would just Australia, jeopardize sponsor. Yeah, well, Australia has the Office of Film and Literature Classification. When I used to work at a men's interest magazine, every issue would have to go to the OFLC and you couldn't have sexualized nudity. So I'm not sure what the what the law is here, but if you don't, if it's not if the nudity isn't sexualized, you can have it in a magazine. Okay. I would imagine they could throw it in though. I would imagine that ESPN would just have to put it in a uh shrink wrapping, right? Like sell it like a playboy <laughs> behind the counter at that issue. Guarantee they'll sell more issues. Oh yeah. Like guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if they care about their magazine, their physical magazine. That's anymore. a good point. Well, can you imagine but, LeBron just standing there naked? Be epic. Be beautiful. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I get that issue. The, right. The, the, the contortions in each of those photos to block the private yeah. parts is always odd. 
It is odd. Yeah. The, well, okay. So this text came through yesterday and it says, I just finished up the new episode of the grit and was chuckling at your guys suggesting that there's not enough criticism these days. Today I saw a huge example of this. I always respected Lakey Peterson because she carried herself as a professional athlete. I found her social media post about how proud she is to show off her naked body and not be ashamed of it to be quite misguided and worthy of criticism. She is right about how girls should not be ashamed of their body, but like many other women who put value in taking nude photos of themselves these days, they mistake it for being brave and they think that most men will share their sentiment. The fact is most men will look at those photos of her naked body thinking to themselves, gosh, what an amazing, or they won't think, gosh, what an amazingly beautiful, confident person. Most of them are actually sexualizing her. That's probably the reality. I wanted to comment on her feed, but I knew better than to start a controversy. I'll leave that to you guys. Thoughts? Derek. Um, I think, do men look at photos of naked women and sexualize them? It's funny because sex, <laughs> sexualization is, has become a dirty word, like racism or whatever. Dude. And why, so is that a bad, why is it a bad thing to sexualize? You go, I think she's awesome and gorgeous and I want to fuck her. Not, I haven't seen the photo and I'm, and I'm not talking about her in particular. But if you look at a photo of a beautiful naked woman, you want to fuck her, it's sexualized. It's not a bad thing. Right. You know? so, no, I agree. And yeah. I, that was my thought too, is like, I think Lakey is aware of what our friend is saying and she's okay with it. She's embracing it. That's why she's doing it is because she's comfortable being like, I'm comfortable being sexualized. If I post a photo online without my shirt on or whatever, and people sexualize it, I'm like, cool. It makes, it kind of validates me. You know what I mean? Do that? Yeah. People like, people like dad bods now, Derek, you don't have to be, you don't have to be shredded. Okay. I can see the judgment. But, you can, but yeah, the, the, the language he's talking in, this is the script that most people operate on. Most people don't have the, um, thought processes or the vocabulary, vocabulary to express what they're actually doing and what they're yeah. feeling. That's just more platitudes. It's like um, this morning's story on uh, Beach Grit, you know, the Schmaltz problem with the WSL. I didn't see it. it. What's yeah, the story? It's uh, Long Tom wrote it. Okay. Just said we gave Eric Logan, you know, nine months of our lives and he just delivered Schmaltz. Yep. You know, comical. It's like parody stuff. He lost the room is yeah. the title. No, that's that right. He lived. lost the room. Yeah. Eric, really Eric Logan has lost the room. Okay. But Interesting. back over to the yeah. real quick to the Lakey thing. Uh, I love this mutual friend, but also in this case, I think he's wrong. I think that picture, the body issue, ESPN's up body issue is clearly their big marketing thing for the year, right? I mean, I think I'm sure it's the thing that probably gets the most, them the most external. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. And yeah. it gets them a ton of external you know, hits and whatever, right? Because a lot of people cover the body issue. I'm sure the New York Times will cover it and who are, you know, who's in, who's out, blah, 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 blah. And so it's become this cultural phenomenon thing. I totally, it's just, it is bizarre that you don't actually see bodies. It should be called the asexual issue. Precisely. Cause, and that's exactly what I think that every picture in there. So to this friend's point, everything in the body issue, and maybe this is just my opinion is so asexual. I look at those people's bodies as they may as well be, like weird, I don't even know, like cartoons or something, right? Like it's so divorced from any reality that I don't feel any real human impulse when I look at their bodies. Like every once in a while you think, oh, he has a big muscle here or something that not a big muscle there where you're thinking, cause you don't see that, <laughs> but a big muscle in his arm say, and not that arm, because again, you don't get to see that. But, uh, in this particular case with Lakey, it is so asexual. I can't even imagine layering any feeling like, oh, I want to hit that on there because there's there's nothing. It is, it is devoid. Kelly Kelly running through the park 
uh, for his body issue. There's Kelly or Kelly running in a forest or something, right? Yeah. In a jungle mm-hmm. somewhere. Kelly <clears throat> nude. I can't imagine one woman thinking, oh, love to end up with that. Like this weird, he looks like a strange bald elf going just, on a, going on a morning jog. This just reveals where your sexual preferences are, which this is, is just indicating you're not into athletic looking women. I, but I would totally be, uh, but these are so, I mean, ESPN goes so far out of their way to brush any ounce of sexuality off them every, you know, which is the point, I that guess it's point. like, it's like totally. athletes in action. Mm. And so in Lakey's picture, she's, she's running to the beach, holding a board or throwing a board. I think, right. The board is in the Dude, air. To be honest, I didn't even look at the photos. Oh, I think it's, I think her board is like thrown up. Like yeah. she's having a fun time with it or something and running. So you get the backside shot, right? Like yeah. you get to see her butt yeah. uh, and then just the musculature. But again, there is nothing. It's so far beyond sexual. And, and I think ESPN, uh, to slice off sexuality as a human thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're not cartoons. They're just androids. Like these are robots. And because without you're taking off the human. Is it John Wick where the people live in those little pods and they're all these kind of weird. Yeah. John Wick. Yeah. I didn't see that either. John Wick. It's Keanu Reeves, man. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, so so I disagree, and I think that ESPN goes so far. But I, and I'll say the trouble here is that there's the lack of sexualization is the problem. That if you're going to show naked people for humans, and ESPN's you know obviously trying to say, well, what you like can be naked, and and you know we can appreciate these people's bodies without it should be highly sexualized. That's what it should be. The hottest, you know, realistically, kind of some of the hottest bodies on the planet, and the fact that you just look at it and go, ugh. But uh, there's a fucking problem there. Okay? Precisely. And the fact that they're already so mechanic athletes, especially top level athletes are yeah. mechanical people. Right. I mean, I think even in the way they live, right. With their diets and the way they order their days and the way every minute is accounted for, they already look or appear or feel like machines. And then to stick their naked bodies in machine like settings, I don't think it does any of them any favors, to be honest. It's like the objective is basically to take what we see on the basketball court or whatever and just strip the clothes off and see that kind of athletic muscle striations. Yeah, which is which is again, it's like Westworld uh, on HBO yeah. where they're they're just these very very complex machines. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, but the reality is, is it the one time a year you're going to go to ESPN's website? Hell no. Uh, still not going. No, no, I wouldn't even go now. I have, I have I've never looked at it in my life. I just, I just see photos of it occasionally. I saw the Kelly one. It'll, it'll pop up in my feed and I will glance at it as quickly as I glance at a realtor selling their house. Right. Like it's, there's, I have zero emotion attached. I, I have not even the faintest interest in who's going to be. I think ESPN tries to spruik the, uh, who's going to be in the body issue, right? Like who, which athletes are going to appear this year. I have zero care. Man, it's tough to Do get you? people to read a magazine nowadays. Do you care? Um, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, a little bit, I guess. I kind of always am curious who the list of people is or are. But to be honest, I didn't even know ESPN had a magazine until Kelly did that issue. So I think they executed part of their goal just by making it aware. Um, do you think? Do you think the American public or the worldwide public, I guess, totally. is waiting for it and like? Waiting for it like people yeah. used to wait for the swimsuit, the Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. No, I don't. Did you used to get the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue? No. Did you care about it? Yeah. As a kid who like didn't have access to naked 
people, you know, on the internet that we have now and all that. Like, yeah, that was huge. I mean, Sports Illustrated would always throw in like a sheer bathing suit in there too. Remember? Yeah. There would always be like a fishnetty bathing suit that you could see oh, yeah. a little bit of nipple. What about the one where they painted on bathing suits? Ooh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yep, oh, that yeah. was a recent oh, one. I think that gosh. was that was one trying to compete with ESPN's body issue, thinking, wow, we just got burned. Our one franchise just got taken out by ESPN. I think, who would you like to see in the body issue of ESPN? Uh, from the surf community, Any, anyone, but surf community since this is surfing thing. Are, are we talking? Are we talking the real body issue, like full nude? Or are we talking well, highly posed? Well, it's funny. I was just going through a little thought process about the body issue and who, whose body I'd like to see. And James is our general manager of Beach Grit. He went to see um, Tommy Corball and the other guy who was in Dormwall, and he wanted to see their hands and see their fingers, how splayed out their fingers were. I'd love to see you know Alex from uh, Free Soul. I'd love to see his hands and his and his forearms and and his chest and stomach and that sort of stuff. So I think there's a there's a case for you know the examination of a significant body that does these incredible tasks. But it, but you don't need to see the whole like no. I, I would love if the if the body issue was was hand. exactly was focused yeah. on the thing that they use where you really wonder about like because watching Free Solo thinking how much pressure or when he's doing his finger pops right yeah how much how does that reshape the fingers yeah You're exactly right so I think it really splays them out yeah somebody was talking about that he does have some extra I don't I don't know his tendon or whatever but his anatomy has an extra something that allows him to do what he does. Yeah. Um, I mean, the obvious thing here is that beach grit could do a body issue now. Yeah, yeah. Beach grit body, body month. Well, we just month. have to, we, I would want to have like completely average surfers just standing full, like Ricardo Christie, just stand standing fully nude, just a <laughs> straight head on. Yeah. Or who's, who's the evoke of Jesus? Wade Carmichael. Yeah. Oh, yeah Wade yeah. Carmichael just standing there <laughs> fully nude, like not trimmed up, just, Full frontal male nudity is becoming much more commonplace nowadays. You might have sure. to break the limits by going like full rear view oh, of dudes. Yeah. Just them That's standing. That's the next horizon. Yeah. Yeah. The rear dude, the, I mean, the rear thing though has been a like butt double thing for a while. Daniel Craig getting out of the water as James Bond. That's or, true. Yeah. And with male full frontal nudity, this male full frontal nudity, then there's male full frontal nudity, isn't there? Mm, what's the second one? One that has an erect penis. Oh. That's the whole thing about sexualized nudity is you can have you can show a flaccid penis, but you can't show an erect penis. That's a good point. Maybe I that's can, maybe that's Beach Grit's body issue. That is. <laughs> who who from the world tour will be first to sign up? <laughs> Whoever's <laughs> getting booted off tour this year, who needs work? They're gonna be like <laughs> Jadson's like, dude, I've been trying to get a sponsor for like ten years. Years ago I wanted to do a um uh, at Surfing Life, years and years ago, my first job. We wanted to do I wanted to do Robbie Page naked. And just with the crucified, when he got arrested for um, acid in Japan, just have him on the um, on the cover, just crucified naked. Did he? Did yeah, he? Did, did he like, like the idea? I think so. No. I floated that boat a few times. This kind of makes me realize. I think things like um, like highly produced photos and even video too would actually add a lot of value to Beach Grit. Like uh, you guys, photos, no, because like stuff like that. Phone. But yeah. stuff like that, no, no. Nah. And on the internet, you can just forget high-end photography. It's a waste of everyone's time and money. Videos, for sure. But photography, because look at the thing you're looking at on, that, that Nokia thing you got. <laughs> <laughs> you flip phone. <laughs> David, there's a razor, dude. Which is, which is, I mean, I think Derek does have a point. Like that whole body issue of Lakey Peterson, I saw, I'm sure that photo shoot day was ten dollars to $15,000, like, you know, to, to grab that one image. Yeah, I know. And uh, you flip through it on your feed, so quickly that I'm, I mean, but I guess we're talking about it. So, I mean, there's, I'm trying to think of, 
this is going to make your point because I can't actually think of an image that had like a lot of impact, but, uh, or in recent years anyways, I'm trying to think of like some photo editorial thing that really made an impact on me. Uh, but I love when I do get it, you know, but you don't want to be the one foot in the bill for it. No. And it's funny cause I uh, noticed on Instagram, you used to, to put a beautiful photo and get a lot of hits. Beautiful photos don't get the hits anymore. Just that dancing dwarf or, yeah. or the, it's a dancing like, dwarf. Or the monkey on his little motorbike falling over. Oh my gosh, it's so good, man. <laughs> if it has a cat in it, I'm even more interested. Um, when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. What about, okay, so talking about evolving role of media, let's talk about the pirate stream. How practical is this? And pitch it to me. What do we need, Chaz? So I think- What's the concept? I think what we need here, been ragging on, uh, obviously, especially after Tahiti. I mean, I think we can all agree in the room that Tahiti's commentary was a new low. Uh, I didn't know it until, was it Long Tom or Surf Ads? Yeah. yeah. So Long Tom wrote the article, and as I read it, I'm like, dude, you are 100% correct. Yeah. A new low bar has been reached by, and I don't fault any of them individually. I think there's bad direction coming from the top down. Uh, what they think, what the brass, whoever's, wherever they're getting what they're supposed to say from, or how they're supposed to act on air. And and maybe it's too baked in, right? Like maybe this was a Paul speaker directive or something. And it's just, it's been the same cast for long enough now where bad habits maybe are just completely, you know, they've been stuck in the kiln, the fired and it's done now. Like, and everyone seems very anxious to please the masters. Uh, precisely. And they can't break out. And again, I think when people maybe perceive what I'm talking about. Maybe they what, or hear what I'm talking about. Maybe they're perceiving just being negative. I'm not talking about being negative at all. I'm talking about real honest critique, like the way they honestly critique every single sport that I watched from tennis to football to mm-hmm. anything, right? There is honest critique as the game is going on of what people did well and what people did poorly, uh, which doesn't exist at all in the 
WSL so but bad. I, I think they've got the talent. I think the talent's there. But you know, Strider and Ross. And, but if it's but if if those bad habits are baked in and they can yeah. can't break it, then I think you got to throw babies out with the bathwater. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't like, know how you get that. I, I mean, come, and I I totally agree. Like Strider, I, they all have it in them. Yeah. The only one that I don't know who has it, if Joe Trapel can say a critical thing. Like I just don't know if that's part of his personal makeup or even a meaningful thing. Yeah. It just seems like. Um, Seems like the win, meaningless platitudes he throws out there. Completely. But the rest of them, for sure. Like Potts has it in there, guaranteed, yeah. right? Strider, yes. Kaipo, I think, has real insight. I, I, I'm i a fan of Kaipo, to be honest. Yeah, me too. And I think, like, with the right- and Ross is brilliant. Ross is brilliant. Like, so they do have a team, but let's let's just say they're beyond repair and, and the world is in need of a pirate stream. So what I was thinking is, let's just serve it up, right? So- at, I would love to try for Surf Ranch. Maybe this is too... Um, no, I think we could pull it off. Okay. And so basically, just the things that I love about Beach Grit is that it's analog. And, you know, those are the the things that I think we don't go out... I mean, we we try as hard as we can. We don't necessarily want to be analog. But but the, you know, live chat. I mean, it's honestly, you get on oh, your yeah. computer, That's you good. turn on the, the uh, show... And you sit and type in, you know, I mean, it doesn't get more analog than that, which so again, for the pirate stream, just something really analog where you turn down the volume on the WSL we're, of their broadcast. We're watching also and calling what, you know, our dream or calling it the way we see it. Uh, in a perfect world, we would have every guest in the world lined up, right? It would be nonstop guests, which hopefully we'll be able to get some if we can pull this off, but even if we give it a, give it a punt ourselves. And even if we totally fall on our face and fail and think, Ooh, come the takeaway is it's a lot harder to call yeah. live surfing than we thought or whatever. The, Which guaranteed is going to be a, one of the takeaways, whatever it is, like whatever happens with trying a different feed, I think is completely valuable. Even if it's an utter failure, there's no other options right now. So we got at least, Give somebody go. an option. Yeah. So my thought is you and I make sense to do it because we do this podcast, but I don't think we're necessarily the best guys so to do it. Here's So I'm fine like setting up all of the audio and that sort of thing and then inviting everybody. Here's why I think you and I are good to start. And then like even kicking it, kicking it off to somebody who's way better than us is you and I have rapport. Like we've been, do, we've been doing okay. this now for what? Fifth, what podcast are we on? 43, 44. Exactly. So we have, we've just sat across the mic from each yeah. other enough. Who's and the 43rd president of the United States? Oh my gosh. Uh, I got it. Go. G-Dub. Yeah, G-Dub. Oh, okay. The best president we've <laughs> ever had, George <laughs> W. Bush. And Dick, I want you on my team. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. Um, so from Long Tom's article, Ross Williams was the best of the, of the truly woeful bunch, but his fallback line quote, there are no easy draws on tour, everybody is a weapon, end quote, sounded more and more peculiar as the event transpired. He first employed it as Kanoa Igarashi was giving a tepid performance that was far from the worst of the day. A generous appraisal is that he was just thought, uh, or a generous appraisal of Ross is that he was just thoughtlessly repeating this rote phrase. The actual story was the exact opposite. Here we had an actual world title contender in Kanoa who had not been tested in heavy water and was being found wanting, uh, and was being found wanting right in front of our eyes. So I think that's actually 
like you're saying, we need critical, not just negative. Long Tom's assessment, that's actually a very valid assessment, which is there's a much more interesting story happening here than what's being conveyed to the public. And you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be like, oh, Kanoa's, you know, sitting on the shoulder, uh, afraid to go, cowering. No, no, no. We have a world title contender who's being tested, his medal's being tested, and he's not as willing to go as Jadson, who's fledgling, who can never requalify. Who what doesn't a great, have any what a great sp- story that is. I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And Jadson was hucking himself, you know, yeah, I mean, which they do acknowledge. But I mean, yeah. Imagine though, again, and I hate to use other analogies, but imagine if a rookie quarterback who had all this hype around him, right? Like yeah. Big big shot in college, made it to the pros, his first game, and he was just failing. And imagine that the- And then he gets MVP into the year. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and that the announcers don't say anything about his performance. Like they don't say anything about the storyline of this guy was the biggest guy in college. He did this, this, this. Now he got signed for X amount of money on this big team, blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's blowing it. And you don't have to be rude in saying he's blowing it. You just speak truth to what you're seeing, right? Yeah. It was like, a, so it was Daniel Ricciardo in the Formula One and he was doing super slow laps. And they'd be going, what's happening with Daniel Ricciardo? He's, he's losing his time. So he's 10 seconds off the pace. Something's happened to Daniel hmm. Ricciardo. Is he afraid? Yeah. What's happening? You know, but I, it doesn't happen. I've, I've gotten at least five, maybe 10 references to other sports. This morning, one came in like, check this video from the UFC. Look at the incredible insight that these commentators are providing from a technical standpoint, but also opinions, you know, like, and these are fighters. These are meathead jocks who have this intellectual critique. Why can't we get that in surfing? There's an odd thing about surfing, I think, where people, and I'll get emails somewhat regularly, uh, like critiquing me of people like, well, you wouldn't paddle at eight foot pipe or whatever, right? Yeah. Where it's that it's the thought in surfing that you need to be able to be a CT level surfer right now in basically in your prime, you need to be that you yourself, that I myself would have to be willing to huck myself over a ledge at Chopu in order to criticize what I see. Right. No other sport has that at all. You don't have to be an MVP quarterback, much less have ever played football in, in your entire life to be able to call a good game, right? I mean, the idea that you have to do the thing, of course, I think that's what the color man is for, right? Mm. That's what the Ross and the Potts is for, yeah. is to actually have been there and you know done it. I think the play-by-play guy in traditional sports has always has you know, a basic reference probably played as a kid and or into college, but really as good at calling what they see, which the surf league straight men in Turpel and who's the other straight man? I guess Kaipo, this last one, but typically, Oh, Ronnie, which Ronnie does a good job. Mm. I think, I think Ronnie, Ronnie has the most potential of all of them to, to be a real good straight guy and to feed his color man. Right. It's just, unfortunately, Ronnie's color man is pots who is the color of gray. Yeah. Pete, lots of times when he and Ross were together, yeah, that was the ultimate. Sure. Um, how can they possibly manufacture interesting commentary during the freshwater pro? Like, I think that, I don't know, 50% of the commentary during a normal event is about tactics, priority, rivalries, uh, where the person's sitting in the lineup versus the other person, wave selection, all of that stuff really fills 50% of the time. And all of that is a moot point in the wave pool when you know exactly when the wave's coming and where to sit and all that sort of stuff. 
Completely. It's going to be the most boring, co- like how are they going to do the job? They better be, if they're not totally prepping and doing homework, which, which I would imagine they are because since the whole thing is actually formulaic, they know exactly, you know, we got a four minute window to say something. I wonder right. if they're going to have basically prepared packages that they're going, you know, they have all their backstory lines or now let's learn about the history of Lamore, you know, three that minutes, 30 seconds later, <laughs> bam. And now we're ready for another wave. <laughs> I don't know, but if they're, I mean, it's the one place on tour where you know exactly what's going to happen. So if they don't have, if it's not the best commentary, to be honest, or at least the most polished commentary, because uh, they know they're not going to be surprised by, oh, you know, I was in the middle of a thought. And now here's this wave that I got to call. And then I forgot what my thought was. Yeah. What's your thoughts on Surf Ranch Pro in general, Derek? Um, I think it has potential. I really oh, do wow. think it has potential to be a super high performance event. I'm not sure if the wave is perfect for that uh, sort of event. And they shouldn't score the tube. The tube should just be taken out of the scoring equation totally because all of us can sit in those little little tubes like that. So I think it has to be combos and big airs. And the wave isn't that great for big airs but has that end section. So I think it should be uh, should be combinations. And it's just like a, like a, uh, like a street skate or something. Or take, take the tube out completely. Forget people sitting in the tube for 20 seconds. You know what's bizarre is like the original goal that Kelly had and even that we had as kids is like a perfect barreling wave. Yeah, such an 80s kind of fantasy wave. It It's not that interesting. No. And even as you're saying, it, the high performance thing, the combos, the wave actually isn't that high. Like even when they go up to hit the lip, it's a soft lip. And obviously it's yeah. peeling perfectly. And you can't do roundhouses. No, you can't really do anything. No, it's like, sort of cut downs. And- the guy's blowing the tail out. In the last two years, we started seeing Felipe and Ed, um, Griffin, Griffin Colapinto, yeah, yeah. yeah, like blowing it out before the barrel section. Yeah, but even then, it's not ideal to do a proper blowout. They're yeah. really they're forcing it, and they're so talented that they can do it. But they're stretching their athleticism. It's not like lowers. Yeah, there's way more high performance waves in the world than that is. It's really its strongest suit is its barrel. And that's the least interesting thing. But, to if you, watch. but if you come out of a, if you throw the tail and come out of the, into the tube backwards, I think that could, that should score. But just stalling and, and getting twenty second barrels, I think that kills the event. And it's super boring to watch. Yeah, but I think I, you know, I, I certainly think it has potential. I mean, there shouldn't be thirty six guys there. It should that's be twelve. Insane. I don't even think it has potential, to be honest. Like I would love to hear the potential that it has. But uh, yeah, as potential as what? Like a wave to surf? Just as you know, no, just as a um, as a competition for a person to show their full arsenal of maneuvers. And it's amazing that Gabrielle can go from Chopu, win that, potentially go to the Freshwater Pro and win it. And that shows to me that Gabrielle's the one surfer who can win a world title this year and not have any question marks around it because of John John's departure. Yeah. You know, he's, he's remarkable. I, I do think, too, maybe. I do think that, uh, to, to Derek's point, like just the wave that they, the wave they have there is not the ideal wave for this format, right? Like I could totally see how you could have an artificial wave on tour, just Kelly's wave, I don't think is the right wave. Yeah. Uh, see, I think what I love about Gabriel and what he did in Chopu isn't just that he can get to his feet and ride the tube more perfectly than everybody else. It, so much of it is the tactics and also his ocean prowess and awareness of always being in the right spot at the right. Actually, Owen turned out to be yeah. in Tahiti. But um, 
all of that stuff is what makes them phenomenal surfers. Like how is Kelly always on the best waves everywhere he goes in the world? Somebody exerting their dominion over their board in a wave pool is much more a gymnastic effort than it is any of those other things. I love the contrast. And it's only one event out of 11, you know, so I don't think think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I just think the amount of people there. It's insane. And the the scoring of the tube. Cause I think, I think I would love to watch a guy do 12 different maneuvers on a wave and go, holy fuck, things that are possible. I don't know. It's gymnastic. And, but I think for one contest out of 11, I think it's, I think it's really good. I, I find it fascinating, but not in its current format. Should those points go towards a world title or should it be enough? Yeah, but it should event? be, I should be abbreviated. It should be 50%. I reckon. Yeah. I know, mean, the, the tiered, the tiered. It has who, to be tiered. Who, it, has to, it has to be weighted. Yeah, that was, who wrote I, that? I wrote that. Yeah, that I was. It was a, it's funny because I thought it was a shit story that would just sink, you know, and you're just sitting there and you go, fuck, what can I write today? And I was going, hmm, yeah, I think Pipe and Chopu should get more points than Lamore. But I think it should count to the world title because, like I said, Gabriel can win both. That shows what a complete surfer is because you could be a hell surfer and at Pipe and Chopu, whatever, Jadson Andre, and kind of dog it in the pool. Yeah. You know, so I think just to have to, to a world champion surfer should be able to win in every condition. Yeah. You know, they should blow your mind in two foot wave and then they go out and it's 12 foot. They, they should really, I mean, if they're going to play this game with the pool, though, they should really finish the whole dang thing in one day. You should, I mean, you should just bang through yeah, it. Yeah, it's comical how boring. Because you, you, you saw the glaring deficiencies in people's technique. Oh, completely. It's just fucking microscope on people, you know. And, and to watch um, your, your your friend from Chopu and have to sit through those heats. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know? He showed up wearing a panda helmet la- or a panda, like, head last year, <laughs> like a DJ or something. <laughs> which was, like, great. Like, sure. you should be – everybody should be doing that. Yeah. You should be playing the theme – the Rocky theme song or whatever when you enter. But – um one of the problems for me last year watching it was I want even I was there on site, which adds to the excitement and I wouldn't watch a complete wave. Yeah. Be like Kaloe is going to up and riding. You hear the train coming and I'm like, okay, well I know that the first 30 seconds of the ride are just soft safety surfing until the yeah. barrel section. So I just keep typing what I was <laughs> typing and working on the podcast. And then as I knew he was getting halfway down the pool, I glance up to see the critical section and then I'd look back down while he's still on the wave. Yeah, right. Imagine that happening at Pipe, where we know a set's coming and we all look away. Yeah, like it, it's a, it would never happen. Do That's you, a problem for their business. Do you think uh, a question that I have about the Freshwater Pro will they cut away to ads and I mean to advertisements specifically for the Freshwater Pro mid mid wave like they do <laughs> like they do regularly at every other wave? It's odd, isn't it? It's the most bizarre it's thing. The station director. It's and to show. I mean, at Tahiti, it happened so many times to show an ad. Adverti- it's not like they were having to fill. Oh man, we got to get our Jeep ad back up. No, it's for a one minute run of watch the Chopu Pro or the Tahiti Pro. And like, the amount of times they talk over a wave. And it's an epic wave and they're interviewing someone. And they, and they just don't pull away. They, yeah. they must. That was part of Longcom's article too. Yeah, yeah. He identified, there was a moment, I think BL was talking to the girl about saving the coral reefs. And Gabriel got a 10 or yeah. yeah, yeah. And BL's like, oh, I was distracted by talking to the girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, because he said there was no parallels in sport. And then I remember as a kid, there was the most exciting test cricket match. And they go for five days. You've waited all day for this moment. And they cut to a commercial break just as the test concluded. Oh. In dramatic circumstances, and people have been sitting there for five days, and they missed it. So it' cruel, and I mean it does, does happen, happen, but it but it <laughs> but it happens every single day of every single event. I mean, every single day, yeah. they're guaranteed to cut to commercial during 
at least one of the better waves of the of the day. And also you'll watch at least one of the better waves of the day in a micro screen while Rosie's interviewing somebody. Right. I mean What do you guys think of the post TV interviews? Because Rosie never cops any haters because she's really sweet. Yeah. It's because she's sweet and pretty. And she does mm. she's functional. Like she doesn't do bad. She just doesn't do good. You know, man, what, what are you going to do though? Are, is there any way to get a rise? Uh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure if you had, yeah, remember when Paul Fisher did, was he doing the, <laughs> if you had Paul Fisher there. Yeah, I think he was doing them at the US Open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they were epic because yeah. he would ask people really awkward questions and stuff. Even people <laughs> he didn't know. Yeah. Well, like the, you could tell some surface he was just comfortable with. So willing to just say whatever, but it's just his persona. Yeah. And so, yeah, he was asking the best stuff and it was really genuinely funny. He would catch him off guard with yeah. some random something. With honestly, like, and it wasn't just like canned, this is my shtick, you know, yeah. hey, do you want to touch my penis, huh? Like yeah. he would really push them into where they're just sitting, like chuckling nervously. So there's probably a place between a Paul Fisher and a Rosie Hodge. Yeah. The sweet spot. I like the post-heat interviews with the losers. Yeah. They could do more of that. Yeah, they're great. They don't always do it. Yeah. They rare, rarely do it. Right. Like Only that. if they're they like way more than they used to, and they uh, must be con- they must be contractually obliged to. Um, the, I think they're interviewed. I bet they're contractually obli- obliged to heat interview if they yeah, win. And they are, they they lose. You're right. The loser interviews are amazing because yeah, he, he learned nothing from winning. You know. Yeah. Losing. You know. And you don't even need to have, ask a good question. You can just look at the demeanor and the eyes of the loser and know, like, you at least have some emotion attached to but it. The best interviews Rosie does is with Jordy because she knows him so well. Mm-hmm. And they have, they have some great moments. That's true, Jordy. Some of the best lines Jordy has ever given in his entire life have been to Rosie. Yeah, <laughs> Jordy's a piece of gold. Um, I had an interesting experience this morning. The New York event started for the longboard tour. Oh yeah. Did you? Did you? <laughs> How excited are you? Did guys you want to watch it? <laughs> I was getting ready to come here. And so I just put it on. Yeah. Just to see what it was about. Well, how are the waves? Not good. Oh, I thought they were, I thought they were ho- hoping to get some Dorian. Oh, I think they're going to run like the import, the pointy part of the event in the good waves. Oh, like, like every yeah, tour should be. Exactly. Sweet. So this was the women and day one and the surf is marginal. But the interesting experience was, you know, the WSL is always chasing this elusive non-endemic audience, like new middle, whatever, middle of the country surfers or um, non-surfers. That's what I felt like viewing this event. I felt like I didn't know one of the surfers' names. The longboarding is also just kind of foreign to me. You know, I see a little bit of it here and there, but it's kind of foreign to me when I'm, I only see A-plus clips. This is watching somebody trying to navigate a lineup in very mediocre conditions to find a wave at a beach break on a longboard that somehow connects for them to get up to the nose, which is all very difficult to do. And I didn't know the commentators in the booth. So all of it was foreign to me. And I thought to myself, this is boring. This is very difficult for me to understand. I don't know which waves they're looking for. I don't know any of these people's ability level. I don't know their backstories. I don't know their rivalries. It'll take me five hours to develop any level of interest. And there's no chance that somebody's going to watch for five hours. If you apply that to middle American stumbles upon a CT event, even it's at, even if it's at Chopu, I think it's tough to hook them in. You know? I love how middle America gets used as the um, sort of the, the whipping, Holy land whipping boy. <laughs> Did you notice I said middle of the country earlier? Cause I didn't want it to just be America. <laughs> Cause I, I reckon you know, if pro surfing reached, Every keen surfer in the world or every keen surfer became interested in pro surfing. It would be massive. Yeah. But it's pretty rare to find people who are that interested. Kids, or my kids surf and all their friends surf and everyone goes, yeah, I like Julian Wilson or I like John John. 
But I didn't. I was a contest on it. I didn't know. And it seems to be people in their men in their thirties and forties. Now that I'm a such a surf dog breaking, who's the guy who surfed like for eighteen thousand days in a row or whatever? That old guy, <laughs> Dale Remember? Webster. Dale Webster. Now, now with my six days that I'm. Is he stuffed in here somewhere? <laughs> he should be <laughs> shivering. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm approaching Dale Weber with my six days of surfing in a row, um, I have not heard, and it's been packed, packed down at you know it's warm. Warm water, warm air. It's hot down there. Perfect time for surfing. Uh, packed lineups. Have not heard one person mention in the lineup. Not one mention. Six days. Not one mention of any pro surf event. Full or pro surfing. Full stop. Now, people talk boards. Yeah, people talk yeah, boards. That's, that's that's exactly what they do. I've heard yeah. endless board talk with between people who know nothing. Right. Yeah. Like a <laughs> guy. Like, uh, I mean, not that I'm this big board fount of knowledge, but. Uh, yeah, like people talk boards, people talk turd. Some yes, guy yesterday bring up like, oh, I got a new uh, gazelle or something, a new flower. I'm going to plant it. And the other <laughs> guy I was talking to was paddling further and further away. Like, ah, oh, we're going to play. I think we're going to plant them this afternoon. He was out of there. You'd think that like, and I wonder, and obviously it's not a one-to-one, but I can't imagine any of those people either watching surf pro surfing. Uh, so that the pool that watches pro surfing I think is a microcosm yeah, of true. a microcosm of a microcosm. Yeah. Like it's not even surfers, it's high performance shortboard surfers. Yeah. And then of them, you get a tiny percentage, even if they could broaden it out yeah. to most ish people who ride high performance boards and yeah. ride them competently. Maybe yeah. you would have some people, but they're not even there. No. And, like, they're not, and they're not aiming for them at all. It's analogous to the um, to base surfboards. Remember base surfboards mm-hmm. when Simon Anderson, Darren Hanley, and Morris got together, going to have this massive thing. But they'll be all building high performance boards, which is one percent of the market. And then you had the uh, another company just come in and go, "Well, I'm going to build for the other ninety nine percent," and they're massive and base folded and, and everything. And same with the W. So unless the unless pro surfing was um, so compelling, it made every surfer proud. Yeah, it was just so fucking cool. You know, this is not particularly cool. Well, so who is in that analogy, who's the uh, opposite company other than base? Like if WSL is base. Oh yeah. It's um, I think it's GSM. They do all the, um, they used to do the, make all the hiptos and uh, no, I know, but in media, in media, oh, media. there. So is it Red Bull doing the Cape fear event that captures nah, nah. like it? There is nobody. There is, there's nobody. No. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, there's nobody selling surfing. Well, I think, to any kind of right, right. the raw materials audience. there, you know, I got, you know, you got Gabriel, John, John, Italo, the Kelly stories. Slater. Kelly's 47 years old. You know, you have one of the greatest athletes of all time and you do, I, I think you do have a good commentary team, but I was just talking in the car on the way here that um, I think in, unless there's that cultural DNA within the company that you realize that pro surfing doesn't have to be run over two weeks and it doesn't have to have 36 people. It can be totally changed. You could change it tomorrow. You could go in the office right now and go, fuck this, this isn't working. 2020, we're going to have a 12-man tour. We're going to fly them on our Dirk's private jet. It's going to be all logoed up. We're going to have permits all around the world, have a two-week waiting period. We're going to go, fuck this one right now. And the tour is going to have Jaws on it. It's going to have Chopu, and it's going to have a wave pool. And the person who can conquer all those things, that's a world champion. And your commentators can say whatever the fuck you want because these guys are all on contract. If they don't like it, too bad. That To me, that's exciting. It's a one day event. The uh, WSL really branding hard night star, you know, circa 1976 or whatever, really yeah. trying to make this historical line. And the, I mean, exactly. It's what we we're talking about in the car where there's no real historical line in surfing. Like, and you don't have to, it's not like it's this 
ancient, the, the, ancient, so fluid, the ancient Hawaiians had 32 surfers. That's why we have 32 <laughs> surfers, right? Like on two, like you could break the entire model tomorrow, say this, okay, great. We, we gave this a good long go. It's flat out not working, you know, it's, or it's not working as, I mean, you could get on, you could get on, if they want a mainstream audience, you could actually get in front of me, a mainstream audience. Mm. If you did this version, if, yeah. if this hot, sexy 12 surfers were flying around on this epic jet, living yeah. this lifestyle, flying to the best waves in the world, banging out one day events. I mean, people would, I think people would like it. People would like the lifestyle aspect. They would like it. It would be aspirational. What on the, God bless Jadson Andre, but poor Jadson, there's nothing aspirational about him at all. I mean, I guess his, his continual work He's ethic, the most aspirational, I would say, I mean, but him, him flying in the face of adversity over sure. and over. That's and over. true. Yeah. That's true. But, but, uh, Hanger was KO staying in his um, van in Mother River. I, I oh, loved yeah. it. That the was best. so cool. Yeah. I guess, I guess so. I guess, I guess using the wrong examples, but yeah, the, the WSL doesn't do a good job of selling the lifestyle of surfing because yeah. all they're trying to do is sell it as a sport. The sporting aspects of surfing are not very interesting. What's surfing again? I mean, I've beat, beat this reef to death, but surfing is about more than just surfing, right? Surfing is a bigger thing than just physically standing on a board, moving down a wave. It's almost the least interesting part of it. Yeah. But, but that as part of the lifestyle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ricardo in the van at Margaret yeah. Jadson, blue collar, Blue collaring was his way up. Stinking uh, little plumber, Adriano D'Souza's, you know, uh, bomb at the end of that heat. I mean, it almost made me cry. Like yeah. where, and who is he serving against? Idolo. Yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah. Idolo to win, but ADS getting that bomb. Oh, there he goes. What a <laughs> That's what I find score. myself doing. With Did you call Adriano ADS or ads? I usually do AIDS. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just to confuse everybody. Um, so Jadson does that to me almost every single event. You put like, a tear in your eye. And even though I love him intensely right now, cause we just come off of Chopu by the time we get to surf ranch, all have lose. forgotten yeah. again, <laughs> you know, and I see him stand on a wave and I go, Oh God, I, I do not want to watch that guy. Surf. <laughs> but then he'll do something so insanely defying the odds. And, uh, and again, this has started from a long, long time ago. Just him qualifying for tour was sure. part of it, you know? Him coming from the slums that he came from, like, that I was remember part of I it. was a huge Jadson fan when he first hit tour. Because didn't he come out of the gates hot, too? He beat Kelly at Soccerama yes. yeah, like in reverses, 2010, yeah. doing the exact same air reverse in every yeah. heat on yeah. every one. But it was rad back then. Yeah. It, was, was it was a badass move. It was yeah. like, all right, you got to give him an eight. Yeah. Like, it's that gnarly. You know, but even, even so in the last couple of years, it's like, he's down to sunset and he needs to make the quarterfinals in order to do it. And it's the round before the quarters and he needs a 9.17 and there's a set on the horizon and there's 10 seconds left. And then he goes and he gets it and he does. And then he's screaming on the beach. He has those moments every year. Him. I don't know how the, and I guess the, the commentators did a good job of, of pumping up, up at Tahiti. Like, well, yeah. you know, he, he got his airtime there, but yeah, his performance at Tahiti. And I saw, I think it must've been a Rosie interview after where he claimed, you know, Chopu is his favorite wave in the world. And you could just see his eyes glowing where it really was where this Brazilian kid who, you know, known for airs, whatever has now Tahiti Chopu gets to be his favorite wave in the world. Like it made me really, really, truly love Jadson Andre. It's Idolo's favorite wave too. 
I uh, see those guys who yeah. really, that, I mean, those are the guys who are, who are going, and obviously Jadson's going nowhere fast, yeah. but, <laughs> but he's her, already requalified for next year based he? on the QS. Oh so yes. Get on him. Dude. He, he requalified before the CT even started. He won three of the thousand, 10,000 point events <laughs> before the CT started. Yeah. So, and that's generally 30,000 points is enough to requalify. Wow. If someday beach Grid's going to have enough money to sponsor a surfer, I can't wait to sponsor our first CT surfer. But if it was today, I'd sponsor Jats and Andre. Would you? Who would you sponsor? Derek Riley. Does that have to be an unsponsored person? Uh, no, you could sponsor anybody. Hmm. I really like Italo. Yeah. I'm an Italo fan. The problem with your Jadson pick is your sticker is one of 100 on his <laughs> Oh, that's true. Well, I, I would I would make a package. I mean, again, this is all hypothetical, but I would force him to lose all the other stickers. Okay. Lose all his other sponsors. Yeah. Be, he'd, he'd ride for Beach Crit. I feel like you could outbid most of those. I think so. <laughs> Collectively. <laughs> We've got uh, on our, uh, we've got Mitch Parkinson running our towel pads. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, we have what, a what we towel do. pads are those? Beach grid towel pads. We do I'm have a professional aware. surfer. Yeah. I'm not aware of beach grid tail pads. They're coming out. You'll see them appear online. Uh, maybe we can get you one. But the raw cost just blew blew out. We didn't factor in shipping and customs and oh no. Yeah, so we won't be making much money. But they look great. And yeah, yeah. It's, did, uh, will Mitch be putting a beach grid sticker on his board? Probably. Is that is that part of the? Part of the sponsorship. Um, definitely put a sticking towel pad on there. <laughs> There's no money involved. Um, I want to get into the board reviews you guys are doing yeah. um, and hear like what the idea is behind it. But also you said a lot of guys in the lineup are talking about surfboards. I've found that is definitely true. But what's most interesting is that it's people who um, can barely surf. Mm. It's like the guys who tend to know the most and care most about their volume and all these fine details of design I'm looking at him going, dude, you have a crazier quiver than anybody I know. And you barely, you can't even tell the difference. I think unless you're a pro surf, you don't need a quiver for one, you know, generally one surf was going to do you. Well, I, but it is nice to buy surfboards. But I like, I'm at the point now where I'm riding like a morning of you don't ride anything. You just, I got well, right, right. a fucking sniffle. I can't no. go in the water. No, Jesus. But I have the quiver in my bedroom, okay? in my spare room. Uh, hey but girl, no. flick on my surfboard. <laughs> exactly. Mm. This is for when it's big. Mm. That goes on the dating app. Right? You need the photos of the quiver. Uh, the mid length morning of the earth yeah. is part of the quiver now. My, we we so, can burn that. Throw no, that in the fucking. Throw that in the fire. You can't. I'm telling mid-length. you. What's what's your mid? What's the mid? The one that it's like a yeah, 610, 610 channel bottom twin fin. The morning of the earth board, you see Torn Martin riding yeah. and all those clips. Um, that you, know, is, you know why those guys look so good on their board, those boards? Because they rip on thrusters and their feet are in the right place. And then regular people get it on and they just fuck, look so fucked on them. If you try to rip the board, like if you try to actually surf the board, you look like a coop. No, no, you don't. You just got to place them. And, and a good surfer knows where to place those boards, yeah. and that's when they look good. Yeah. But in the wrong hands, they look ghastly. That's what I'm saying. They though. feel good, though. You get on it. Initially, you get on it and you try to surf it like it's your shortboard, and you look like a kook. The board kind of has its own, it knows where to find the spots in the wave, and like you can't make it go. It yeah. just wants to do it. Well, let's go straight out into the face. Yeah. Well, my point is if you do have a one board quiver, that would be my one board quiver at this point. Really? Yeah, dude. Is that because of. The fact you don't surf and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and where you live. One foot to head high waves. Yeah. And it's super fun. Really? Where's the shortboard? She could on Johnny Cabianca, Gabriel model, DFK. Tell me where to find him. Oh, it's good as website. Go to the Beach Grid Reviews, a little hot link in there. So what's the deal with Beach Grid Board Reviews? What's the concept? Oh, so we, um, we wanted to get um, more technical content 
okay. there. And long Tom loves surfboards. Surf's good, lives at Lennox, perfect place to test them. And so we get, um, we get boards. Most of them aren't paid. So we get um, two boards, one for our anonymous surfer, one for long Tom, and another board, which we usually either keep or sell, or we ride for a while and we sell, and that helps cover the costs. But it costs us money to do them. It ends up getting quite expensive because we have filmer and we have, right. we have the, the anonymous guy. And the anonymous so. guy is the pro. Yeah. So you got a pro riding them. You got a writer. Yeah. There's actually a them. couple of anonymouses, to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a, you'd be surprised who they are. Mm. Very it. high profile. Yep. So the someone someone got it in Insta the other day because it's a very high profile surfer. Ooh. One particular instance. Hmm. I've never let the cat out of the bag. One of the greatest surfers of all time, I, I believe. Wow. How about that? That yeah. narrows down. The guessing didn't say game. the greatest <laughs> surfer of all time. <laughs> but I'm not discounting. It could be the greatest surfer of all time. Mick Fanning. Uh, you guys want to go barrel or not to close out the show? Sure. Yeah. Barrel or I, not. I, I'm sorry. I love these things. And Kukul Curran was so clever. I was just telling Chaz before, cause I didn't really get it at first until the other day he explained it, yeah. but it's so wild that it's either current having it or Kukul. I thought something was beginners would have another really good surface would do. I didn't yeah. get the Kukul but no, I love it. Very, Thank you. You're very yeah. clever man. The, the, Thank you. The concept, we, you should explain the concept again behind Kukul Curran cause it really is the sleeper. Thank you. So I'll be honest, I ripped it off partially. Adam Carolla does this thing called rich man, poor man. And he's like, there's things that only rich people and poor people do and nobody in the middle. And so an example of that would be um, knowing a judge on a first name basis. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're either a full-time criminal or you're high powered and you're constantly uh, having curtains in your vehicle. <laughs> yep. so it's like a 70s dodge beater van or a bentley you know uh incest rich man poor man so true well, trailer park hillbillies or like the royal family yeah the middle uh, class don't fuck the kids i don't think so not as much not as much not nearly as much so i was thinking about that one time and i saw a go i i saw somebody walking down the beach with a gopro mount on the nose of their surfboard and i was like geez you, that guy's obviously a kook. Then I go, no, well, Anthony Walsh does it as well. And I go, yeah, that's it. There's nobody in the middle who has the GoPro mount on the front of their board, right? And then I realized, then I saw some uh, surf school where they had jerseys on over their wetsuit. And I'm like, well, that's clearly a kook move. No, 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 Chloe Andino does that too. Oh yep. my God, only the two ends of the spectrum. And so I realized there's a bunch of things in surfing that only kooks or currents do. Brilliant. And now so we have, now think, we have, a I think we're going to put it on um, bitch grid if we might yeah. and have it as, you know, I appreciate it. The thing, Cause I hey, think it's very clever. Dude, if that's my only legacy, <laughs> I'd be very proud. That's really good. Child so, of broken hearts. I'll send, <laughs> I'll send you the list of the archive. Cause okay, I've got yeah. probably 10 or 15 now that are in the archive, That'd be amazing. but now I'm running out. I'm like, dude, I don't really see them that often. Yeah. Anymore. But like, uh, well, don't need to get into more anyways, barrel or barrel or not nah, helmets. I'm still going nah. Uh, I, th I, th I think they definitely have their place. It's like a few years ago, I wouldn't have worn a helmet snowboarding. Do, then, do you now? Yeah, because my kids started wearing them. And then um, I thought, yeah, we're on set. I feel so much more confident. And when, I, and, and when I was younger and Rick Gath came out with his helmet, everyone had them in WA. And all the kids used to train with them. And, and Sabre Norris and all the family all wear Gath helmets. And I never wore one in the surf. But I could imagine it must make you feel. But but here's the thing, though. I think even if it's better for you, and even if you do it for safety, it's still not cool. Like no. seeing seeing a guy like 
easy rider, motorcycle guy, hair blown in the wind. He's like, that's a he's a madman, right? I mean, yeah. of course, there's no helmet law in Nevada, I think, has no helmet law. I mean, there's a lot of states with no helmet law. And so guys will cruise around without helmets. You think you're just, you know, one tiny little accent, you could be completely dead. But Tom, Curran, uh, Tom, Tom Carroll looks so cool, these helmets. Some, some do, and I don't think they all look uncool. But yeah. I think me personally putting on a helmet makes me feel yeah, uncool. Yeah, fuck, I wouldn't wear a helmet. Plus, you know, you want the sun on your hair, get the golden bits For, in the ends I mean, and shit. A thousand percent. And so that's <laughs> Vanity why- Vanity would keep it from me. Exactly. So I don't think that it's not just because it's- not functional or not better for everybody or everybody should wear them, et cetera, et cetera. It's yeah. Looking good in the face of death is I'm, I'm going down on that ship right there. Okay. So what conditions would be required for you to actually, I would put, on? I would put one on, uh, and feel complete shame, but put one on if I was surfing over like, you know, on a boat trip, maybe over really, really shallow reef. It was really dredging, shallow, shallow reef, then I might think, oh, okay. Like, uh, you know, I ain't no Owen Wright. I mean, I ain't no somebody who doesn't wear a helmet and surf good. Kelly, what did Kelly's, yeah. Kelly's quote was that he, ah, where I can't remember where I, where I saw it, but, uh, I didn't need it. said something that the reason he doesn't wear a helmet is cause he measures waves in millimeters. Yeah. Like in there and I was like, you fuck you asshole. Like, what a <laughs> dumbass thing to say. I mean, where Kelly is calculating, like what an arrogant ass thing to say, like anybody knows what a millimeter is. So Kelly's I, scooting dude, I out. I believed him. No way. I totally Kelly, believed Kelly's him. scooting out from under the lip. Ooh, with a millimeter to spare. He doesn't know what a millimeter is when he's surfing. There's absolutely no way. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like his, window of what he's measuring is way smaller than what mine is. But to break it down to millimeters, it's just such a Kelly thing to say. I measure waves in millimeters. I would argue too, though, in that boat scenario that you're talking about over shallow reef, you probably wouldn't even be paddling out in those conditions. Anyways. Well, that's what I'm saying. If I was, once if, it gets to that level. But, so oh, on the, a boat though, if like you have to, that, everyone's that's sitting there watching and that's what be, I'm, you're going to be the guy. I was on a boat trip about four years ago and we're at the hole. Remember that movie, the hole with um, Tom Carroll and, and uh, it was a Jeff Hornbacker film. Oh, it's about this wave in a beautiful film, filming in black and white, whatever. And on Martin Daly's boat, and they go to this place called The Hole. It's this big left. And it's just take off, barrel, and come out of a pretty shallow reef. And we were at The Hole about four years ago. It was probably four to six foot. And some guy stayed on the boat. And it was one of those was indos. So the wave was really smooth. You could paddle down the face. And the, if you're ever going to get barreled in your backhand, it's in one place. But some people didn't paddle out. You know, so yeah, on a boat. And they were just, and their whole demeanor shifted after that. They were, subconsciously though, everyone relegated them down a few rungs and that's for that's ashamed. That's precisely what I'm talking about. That is precisely have to go. That's precisely what I'm talking about when you're compelled to go at a very shallow that normally you probably wouldn't or at the very edge of your ability, but you are compelled to go. And not only you're compelled to go and, you know, panda it, like sit out in the lineup and, Oh, I try a, you know, fake paddle for some like, but really actually pull into some waves and, or get rolled over the reef. Then I would feel shame but my shame would be putting on a helmet, not staying on the boat. Yeah. Which is what William's dealing with right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had helmets at his disposal, like impact vests, full four different rescue teams. Still didn't go. Yeah. Ouch. Shame. All right. So we're going nah. I'm going nah. Chaz and yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say barrel for helmets because I think, um, particularly for kids in a crowded lineup or early for Bondi or whatever. This kooks just throwing their boards away. Oh, thousand, and I mean, I put a helmet on my daughter to go surf all day, every day, but I also put a bike helmet on her and to, and a skateboard helmet on her, which I don't remember? ever put a helmet on to yeah, skate. Yeah, or yeah, I, can't, I can't imagine ever putting a helmet on. No. Dude, when we were kids though, it was embarrassing to wear a bicycle helmet now, or a skate helmet. Now, now you, you can't imagine not. I can't, I would never let her even kick down the sidewalk without right, a helmet. Right. 
Well, the, I mean, the reality is it's fun to make fun of this stuff, but like it doesn't take much head trauma sure. to ruin your life. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm going down in the face, just staring at death with my <laughs> beautiful sunny hair. I can't imagine ever putting on a helmet. Go, yeah, that's condition. I'm going to put that helmet on. It must be my helmet over here. Yeah. <laughs> it must be in my quiver. <laughs> One day when I'm back in the ocean, I'll... <laughs> I'm going to send you a photo from the beach tomorrow. Oh, really? Wearing a helmet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Squinting at the sun. Damn. Riding my most colorful, like asymmetrical board. <laughs> so this one on my backhand, I need a shorter rail. Huntington Beach. <laughs> the longer rail on your backhand, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. I don't know. I still don't. It is. It's longer on your backhand. But I who you talked to. When we're talking oh, about really? When we're talking when we're talking about thinking, I was thinking about asymptoms. Let's go. Imagine if it was the uh, longer rail on your forehand and the shorter rail on your backhand. Where's the other way around? Yeah, n- no, it's the it's your longer on your backhand. Yeah, yeah right. Because you pivot more and you stay more in the pocket. Exactly. Eh? It depends who you talk to. Who though? Who does it? Who does, does it longer on their forehand? Which asym? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I'm having a hard time accessing the information. But I've heard very <laughs> conflicting information. Like honestly, I yeah, out of your head because of the cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's troubling you. I only ride the best asyms around. Matt Parker's from Alm Surfboards. Yeah. Like, if he does, yeah. long rail on the backhand. See, I, that's the way it's supposed to go. All right. I'm not, I can't honestly get into it at the moment. Uh, anyway, I mean, I just can't access it. Uh, barrel or not. Number two, flat earthers. Uh, I'm going to go. Funny. It's like, it's like talking about, sorry. It's like about transgender issues. It's such a micro kind of issue that, um, doesn't affect anybody. It must be the tiniest proportion of people who uh, actually think the world is flat. It's growing. Flat yeah. earthers. It's, it's millions of people at this point. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go barrel on them because, they're amusing. They're amusing people. I'm not going to, I'm going to say the flat earth issue. I do not believe in the flat earth, but I like that people are adopting. I mean, it really honestly feels like we've reached again, tipping point, a human tipping point, which I hate to talk about because again, Derek and I were talking about it this morning after the surf, every generation certainly felt a tipping point and there's been way worse. Imagine I told Derek, imagine, you know, living in that like, or being, 30, 20, whatever, at the height of Vietnam, right? Where you're possibly going to get shipped off to die. There was tens of thousands of people dying, you know, monthly. You're getting shipped off to die. Uh, your home country is literally on fire, splitting apart at the seams, race riots, blah, 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 blah. And we sit now and think, oh, you know, we're, we've got it way worse because we have, what, Donald Trump as president or whatever, right? Yeah. Imagine growing up in World War II when mm-hmm. the world, entire world was literally at war. Well, I think that when you have no problems, then you manufacture sure. things. Which and is happiness, like a, happiness and sadness is relative. You know, we just fill totally. we just fill that balloon, that little bag inside us with whatever we got. It's like a dog who has all the luxury and comforts of staying home. They just start scratching somewhere until it rubs it raw. I think that's what the flat earthers are. It's like we've run out of problems. Now somebody creates some little thing that's controversial. Cool. Let's glom onto that and and discuss it. I barrel, I barrel flat earthers though, purely for the entertainment I get with Kelly Slater fighting them. Ke- Kelly Slater. I love Kelly fought, fights the flat earthers. I I completely. Yeah. I love that. He just engages period. Yeah. Like, and he'll engage on Instagram with us or whoever, just about something inane. And I'm just like, dude, you run multiple businesses. You're traveling the world nonstop. You have family relationships. How do you have the time to engage in this conversation? But just like everybody else. He's just staring at his phone the whole time the problem man yeah yeah kelly slater is gary kelly slater must be staring at his phone basically every minute that he's out of the water isn't that wild mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But God, he gives us uh, some amazing performances, doesn't oh, he? Oh my goodness, and amazing content. Yes, yes, everything. He just gives and gives and gives for really so long, does. for 30 years. Really does. Ever. All right, so we're going barrel on flat earthers. Um, Do you have an opinion? I'd say barrel because it makes things interesting because I think it's such a micro issue that if people are picking up on it and you're asking about it, then it's great. They've done a successful job. And I don't know why they just don't have the big party at the end of the earth. We can all sit on the edge with their right. legs dangling off. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the beauty. Why? I, mean, I don't even want to I think it's we're a talking dome. about it now. So there's no edge. You get to the edge and it's a dome. So you would run into a wall. Is oh, really? Theory. But it's yeah. it's yeah. honestly like a Truman, Truman show. show. Yeah. yeah. But it, well, we, we shouldn't even talk so about it. So there's a documentary. The reason why I brought it up is there's a new documentary on Netflix about it. Oh, okay. Really interesting. They interview the guy who like founded it basically. And um, they're smart people. Like yeah. it, for all intents and purposes and other aspects of their lives, they're smart people. So it, to me, it's interesting just from a psychology standpoint that there is something going on societally now where we want to pick these nonsensical battles to fight about with people almost because there's nothing else yeah. of important in their life of import. In That's their what life. I mean. We need it. We really need a good, we need an existential war, which we'll yeah. probably get, Yeah, you know, cause uh, in my parents' lifetime, the Japanese were on our doorstep, you know, I took my kids to this beach in Sydney and there's all these guns there. They said, what are the guns for? I said, well, when the Japanese came into the Harbor, so we had Japanese submarines in Sydney Harbor. That's how close we were to being overtaken and, you know, enslaved by the, by the imperialist Japanese. That's and then wild. we have Andy Irons Borshaw, so an imperialist Japanese um, flag, which is, the equivalent of the swastika. <laughs> I was talking about it the other day with, uh, with someone. It was so funny. We had Andy Irons with effectively swastikas on his board. I wonder, I wonder, um, obviously they wouldn't do that today. The rising sun. It was, I mean, it was the one iconic board short, I think of that decade. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it looks amazing. No, it's a beautiful flag. Sure. And there was no other iconic board shorts. I don't think everybody yeah. who paid attention to pro surfing at any level, yeah. I think knows Andy Irons rising sun board short. Yeah. Imagine today with China being a, you know, market, I guess for surf stuff or whatever. Yeah. I mean, cause it was the Chinese who were taking the brunt of Imperial Imperial yeah, Japan. They got, they got fucked by Japan. <laughs> but I, I reckon I could they could, they could do it again because people's knowledge of history, particularly is, you know, ten years even further down the track, is even less. Um, so people wouldn't even. Oh, look at that red circle Japanese with stuff. the, <laughs> the pretty, pretty red things coming out of it. Yeah, so yeah. nice. All right, barrel or not number three. Parents as surf coaches. Oh nah, such nah. The best thing you can do for your kid is leave them the fuck alone. Make them buy, make them buy their boards, save up for the boards. And just go surfing. If they're surfing with you, if they ask you something, say, yeah, whatever. Never offer them an opinion. Never tell them they're turning on the wrong way. Never say, go this one. Da, 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 da. Shut the fuck up. If someone's going to, if you have to have coaching, which I, oh, it's, um, leave it to someone else. Complete no. I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing to yeah. quote the hockey coach from Letterkenny. It's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I don't think listeners have been clued into Letterkenny yet. Oh, they did not? we talk about I think that? We, I think we talked about it. Oh, okay. You did talk okay. about yeah. it when you talked about succession. Because yeah, I was driving yeah. through Big Sur until I ran out of fucking uh, uh, internet access. I was listening to you guys. Uh, um, what are you doing here, by the way? Uh, I had a little job up in San Francisco. Went to see some uh, heavy metal band for an interview. Fine. And uh, then I drove down and had to pick up some Timmy Patterson boards for the uh, next Anonymous review. Epic. Nope. Italo's. Um, can you say what the job was? I mean, uh, it, was, it was, um, it was a little side gig for me and, uh, for me and Chaz, but we went and saw, um, or I went and saw Metallica. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, how'd you like Big Sur? Yes. Yeah, incre- I was fucking terrified the whole drive because I was, yeah. um, heading South. So you're on the edge. Yeah. 
and my, my hands were getting so sweaty. I was worried that I was going to slip and go off the edge. Yeah. And I was just I was like this the whole time. I was rubbing my legs. <laughs> so fuck, I didn't have any music. I didn't have any podcasts or anything. And then, you know, they're just going, don't get stressed if someone's coming up, locals are coming up behind you trying to get you to go faster. So it's going, and I wanted to turn around after about 20 minutes and I couldn't, so I had to do the whole thing. But then I got a sort of okay at the end. And then once it finally finished, I was just banging the freeway. Hundred miles an hour to this kind. Yes. Imagine, imagine going, going to Australia, fresh off the plane, right hand drive, right side drive, and doing a like sheer cliff drive when you're driving on, on your right hand side. So you did that for all in one day from San Francisco down to here. Yeah, yeah. So I left at lunchtime, and um, and yeah, and drove down. I went. To, I stopped at Mavericks when I had a look at a uh, pillar point. Derek saw Mavericks for the first time ever. Yeah, so cool. that's pretty cool. And yeah. then uh, and then W sells punching boy. <laughs> w, there's, Dirk Ziff was there I, just pissing. Pissing in the water, just I'm laughing. Well, I'm disappointed you couldn't take more little detours that you did it all in one day. Like yeah, it'd be uh, nice to stop. Did David Lee is a big fan of the Big Sur. Oh, really? Yeah, it looked look beautiful and stuff. But um, I really like just going places, just going bang, 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 bang. Fair enough. And even your solo too. You know, I could sit in the hot tub by myself, and <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you could surf, surf in Big Sur a little. Yeah, bit. It was pretty ugly. The wing, this funny, I was driving down, I'll have a swim or a surf or something. I saw the dreamiest beach and there was like a four foot shore. It looked incredible. But no, I went them actually in Big Sur and the wing came up and couldn't get down. They couldn't work out how to get to the beach. Right. Went to one place and it was 10 bucks to park. And Yeah. But I saw the elephant seals and they were, they were if, lovely. If I surfed, I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, anything else to pitch or uh, that you want to share with our public? Uh, I've got a big Italo profile coming up on the next couple of days. No way. And, uh, bitch, yeah, it's funny. Uh, Connor Coffin was um, uh, saying that the surf media sort of lost its way and he used to love reading profiles. And then, um, so James said, why don't you go and do a profile on someone? Who would you like to do? And of all the guys, I said, hmm, I wouldn't mind going to do Italo. So I flew over to Margaret River and, uh, and did uh, Italo profile. And there's one in the Surface Journal as well coming up. How was Italo? Piece of gold. The Brazilians are the, I'm such a Brazilian fan, you right. know, after years of being with the Australians, whatever. And the Brazilians are just always so welcoming and funny and so different to Americans and Australians where there's all that whole kind of pretend to be cool sort of stuff. And the, like, when I, I went away with Felipe for, uh, for a week in Mexico a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, you know, Lakey and um, Simpo and whatever would go back to the house and they'd just be sitting under those little um, shelters, just banging the bongo drums and singing and didn't want to go back. And they'd surf five or six hours. And everyone's going, oh, I've got to get a, got to get a cliff bar. I've got to get a hydrate. And all this stuff, they're just banging the bongos, having a hell of a time. And Italo was like that with this chick and, well, you know, making me lunch and breakfast and dinner. And How much time did you spend with him? A couple of days. Awesome. Mm. Okay, cool. I'm anxious to see that. Yeah. Very good. Well, gentlemen, thank you to Serving Heritage and Culture Center for hosting. I was going to say that video, The Hole, is probably on the wall over here. Oh, you should watch it. The wave is insane. Yeah. Um, But until next week, Chaz. Yeah, Barrel. Barrel.